welcome to Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, everybody. My name is David Berman. I am uh, the Daily Nebraskans now assistant news editor. Um, the COVID-19 section is no more. Um, we are still going to be uh, reporting on COVID-19 related uh, things on campus, obviously, because the pandemic is not over. Um, but we just decided that uh, having two people solely dedicated to the section was maybe not like the best use of resources. So um, myself and my co-editor, Zach, are moving into the news now. Um, so that's what I'm doing. And I also do this this podcast at this time and day every week. So. <laughs> as well as... Uh, I'm Mia Everding. I have a much less extensive uh, introduction. I'm a grad student and a co-host of this podcast. And I guess I'm an instructor as well, not a professor, even though my students call me Professor Everding. I think you should just run with it and introduce yourself. I don't know. I don't know. I have another year of grad school, so we'll see if I make that a thing in the fall. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, as I already mentioned, I'm Kyle Cruz. I mainly just host this podcast, write some reviews for the DN here and there. And yeah. So with that said, we'll just jump into our first segment of the week, which is What Have I Done? 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 And what have I done is the segment where we just talk about whatever movies or TV or whatever we've been watching uh, and whether or not it was any good. Uh, So as usual, Dave, let's start with you. What have you been up to? Yes. So last week, our topic was um, talking about some some big movie monster boys. And uh, that was in preparation for Godzilla. Is it Godzilla versus Kong? It's Kong versus Godzilla. Or no, Godzilla versus Mm -hmm. Kong. It is that. It's it's Godzilla versus one of the alphabetical. Yes, okay. and I think, yeah, Godzilla gets first billing. So I saw that. I saw that in theaters. Um, it's the first movie I'd seen in theaters since Tenet um, in September, which is wild. Wow. So, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, yeah, I was I went, I went to, into it with, like, fairly high expectations just because it had gotten really good reviews. Um, and, honestly, I think it lived up to that, like, I, it's not, it's not a, like a good movie, like really, <laughs> really, objectively, but it is exactly what it is supposed to be, which is big monkey versus big lizard having some fights. And those scenes are amazing. They're beautifully shot. Um, they're just like, you feel like just the impact of every monkey and lizard punch um and it just it's a it's just like a movie that if i didn't see it on the big screen i don't think i would have cared about it at all but because i saw it in theaters and this was like my like in my return to theaters i was just like hell yeah this is rad <laughs> um yeah it's it's good like i think i had seen a lot of um criticisms about the all the human elements of this movie and how they are bad um and yeah that's not really the point of the movie. Like you're not really supposed to care about any of the human characters. I honestly thought all of the stuff with the humans was fine. I didn't think it was honestly bad. I just thought it was okay that they did enough to like push along like the plot of the movie and like set up why they would be fighting. Um, I think I wish there was maybe like one more fight scene with them because there were really only two. Yeah, there's like two arguably three because like the the second slash third one is like split up a little bit yeah but but there are only two settings where they fight they fight 
Um, and this is, isn't really a spoiler if you've seen any of the trailers. They fight on a, on a ship, and they fight they, they fight in uh, kind of Godzilla's domain, which is the ocean, and they fight on land in Tokyo? Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, I, <laughs> and I think, I thought I was just going to kind of, like, forget about it, like, once, like, the day after I was just really not going to really care about this or really think about it. But it's like honestly aged pretty well. Like I, I, I just I still kind of when I think about it, I still have a have a smile on my face. So I I was I was very my I think my expectations were honestly exceeded by it. Like again, it's not like an objectively good movie, but it's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's a Godzilla versus Kong movie. Yes. Yeah. Um so I saw this movie as well. Uh, I saw it on Thursday, I think. Thursday or Friday, one of the two. Um, I also saw it in a theater. Uh, just we clarify because it's also available on HBO Max for no additional charge. Um, and I kind of have the exact same feelings. Uh, it's definitely not going to be winning any Oscars, um, but it, man, was it a ton of fun! Uh, just like all of the action scenes are incredible. Um, the human characters were fine. Like they, I think they were better in this than they were in Godzilla: King of the Monsters. Like I think they've definitely like improved but not by much um i think the only human character i was like actively like this person doesn't need to be here uh is julian dennison's character uh who's um uh, millie bobby brown's like friend uh who's literally just in the movie because he owns a car like that (laughs) is this is true (laughs) he has no other reason to be in this movie except for that he doesn't do anything else nope he just kind of he's kind of comic relief but also like brian tyree henry's character who is who shares all of the scenes with him is also is also comic relief and much better comic relief (laughs) so it's yeah it's more like julian dennison just being like Oh no, there's a monster. Like that's um, kind of it. S- slight spoiler alert for this, but it's also not really that big of a spoiler cuz I think we've talked about it on this podcast before. So Mecha Godzilla shows up in this movie. Yeah. Um and I think the only reason Julian Dennison was in this movie was so he could go, "It's Mecha Godzilla." <laughs> <laughs> that was very like because uh Brian Terry Henry's character I believe goes Oh, it's a robot Godzilla, yeah. and Julian Dennison goes, "No, no, no, that's Mecha Godzilla." Like for no reason. It's not like this is an established thing. Yeah. Like in the like, no, like no person in this universe would be like, "Oh yeah, that's Mecha Godzilla." He just had to say the name of the of what the thing is, yeah. <laughs> and it was a very, very good. Yeah. Also, uh, continuing on with like human characters, so. Kyle Chandler is in all the trailers for this movie. He had a major role in Godzilla King of the Monsters, and he has maybe two lines of dialogue in this entire movie. He shows up at the very beginning and at the very end. And I think, like, two out of the three scenes where he has dialogue is when he's talking on the phone with Millie Bobby Brown and being like, where are you? Yeah, that's That's pretty much it. (laughs) And then, like, his other scene is like, look, it's a Godzilla fighting. And he's like, calling the troops. That's it. Yep. That's that's all he does. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I was definitely like very satisfied yeah. with with this movie. I think the action scenes were as over the top and cartoony as you would want them to be. Um, there's definitely a, a fair amount of action scenes in this movie because, as we've mentioned, there's two, arguably three fights with Godzilla and Kong, but then there's also uh, as you would expect, a, a big fight with Mecha Godzilla at the end, um, a la um, Doomsday at the end of Batman v Superman. Um, it very much is like 
that. Like, yeah. like it's a very similar structure. Yeah. Also, I think the in terms of like all of these big fights, specifically in Hong Kong, the utter disregard for human life rivals that of Man of Steel. Yeah. Like it's just like they are just destroying buildings. Like there is nothing left of Hong Kong at the end of this movie. Like nope. it's just yeah. And I'm like cool that's like I, I i am very okay with that like yeah. um and I, I just thought that was kind of funny because like godzilla and kong are both kind of painted to be like vaguely on the side of humanity here uh and then they are doing most of the damage like most of the yeah. damage is even before mecha godzilla shows up it's just the two of them fighting and they're just like at one point like king kong like grabs godzilla's face and like shoves it into a building and like <laughs> and like uh King Kong's kind of like leaping from building to building as Godzilla's using his atomic breath to just yeah. like wipe out everything in his path. Yeah. And it's just like, yep, yep. Yeah. Did you like the big axe? I, I did like the I big did like axe. The big axe. I'm su- they didn't use it as much as I thought they would. Yeah. It wasn't like as big of a thing as I expected. But yeah, it, was, it made for a fun gimmick. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to get a little bit into spoilers here. I think that's fine. So, <laughs> I don't think anyone I guess, cares. Um, so the whole, so this is definitely a King Kong movie over a Godzilla movie. Like yeah. most of the the story focus of this is on Kong rather than Godzilla like is swimming around in the ocean and you hear about him time to time and he shows up for some fight scenes. Yeah. Um, but that's really all there is to him. But like the main story of this is uh, this team has King Kong and they're trying to get to the hollow earth, which in the context of this movie, it's basically just like at the earth's core, there's just like a big empty space where like these creatures are from, I guess it's weird and sci-fi. It's like and there's an ecosystem in the center of the earth. It's basically much. journey to the center of the earth. Yeah. Um, and so like the main story is Kong going there for whatever reason. They just want to go there, I they guess. They want to harvest the power of the center of the earth and they need God they need Kong to guide them there for some reason because yeah. they wanted to use that power to operate Mechagodzilla. Yes. Which is like all like we didn't know that, but that's ultimately what they want. Yeah. So. Um and I thought that whole storyline like it worked well enough. Yeah, I fine. thought there were some pretty interesting visuals and some pretty interesting uh action sequences that took place in the um in the 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 hollow earth um i thought uh i can't remember the name of the actress but like the the character that is just like working for the corporation and is just being mean to everyone the whole time it's like aiza gonzalez is the actress she's in baby driver um but i thought just like how unceremoniously they kill her off is hilarious because like she's just just generally being a bad person the whole movie and then at one point godzilla or not godzilla kong just like catches the the thing she's flying in and just looks at it and just smashes it in his hand and then like there she goes she's done (laughs) and so i thought that was kind of funny um yeah it's a it's a weird dumb fun sci-fi action movie and i had a really good time with it i'm probably gonna watch it again on hbo max sometime just yeah. for the fun of it i think i will pull up all the action sequences and then watch none of the rest of the movie <laughs> because i don't really feel like i need to yeah um but yeah it's pretty good yeah i'm curious to see where they go with this because notably like there is no like post credit scene or anything on this movie there is no announcement of another movie here um and the reason i mentioned post credit scenes is because there had previously been post credit scenes on Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of Monsters um, like directly setting up where they were going Um, so I'm sure we'll get more movies like this especially because we'll talk about the box office later Um, I'm sure we'll get more movies in this in this monster verse is what they're calling it Um, but 
we'll find out what direction they go. Um, yeah, pretty good. I liked it. What have you been up to, Mia? Um, well, I have not watched Big Monkey versus Big Lizard, so it's very unfortunate for it's you. It's a very interesting conversation for me to sit back and listen to. Um, not into Mecha Godzilla. I just don't have an interest in big monsters that much, unless I'm in the right mood for it. I am, however, in the mood for an angry Andrew Garfield in The Social Network. I basically watched that movie again last night for probably like the fourth or fifth time. I was trying to remember how many times I've seen it. Um, simply because Dave has been sending me TikToks with the like his rant basically at the end of the movie when he like runs up to Zuckerberg and smashes his computer. Davis been sending me TikToks with that sound clip in it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's such a good scene. And so I started watching it and then I was like, I've seen this too recently. Um, so I was going to just skip forward then to that part of the movie. And then I figured, well, it's a two hour movie. I'll watch an hour of it. And I did. And then by that time I was like sucked into it. So, I watched an hour and a half of it last night and then I got busy and then I finished the last 30 minutes, which are like, it has that scene with Andrew Garfield. It has the rowing scene with the music and <sighs> that is a very good movie. Um, I have not really much else to say. I think every time I watch it, I appreciate something new about it. Um, I had looked up like the Oscars it was nominated for and it won best editing um that checks out yeah very very yeah. very good but i think what i really appreciated this time was like the screenplay and just the way it flowed as a story like it's told so so well that it just like drags you into it so yeah it's a it's a good movie um those are my thoughts i think we've maybe talked about this either off off podcast or on podcast but um there's a sequel that is being written mm -hmm. by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about that? I am curious to see what it ends up like actually being because like, just like me, I like, I love the social network. It's probably one of my favorite movies and I don't know. It's just like so good that I almost don't want them to touch it again. But also there's so much new material to pull from. Yeah. Um, in the years since this, because this movie came out in like what, 2012, 2013, 2010. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's been a, a whole decade and that's been a very active decade for Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of material to pull from here. I'm, I wouldn't necessarily like pitch the movie on my own. Like I wouldn't be like, yes, we need a sequel to the social network, but if it's being made, I'm curious enough that I'll definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. yeah it'd be interesting to see who well who would be in the story because like i don't know sean parker probably like uh yeah i assume like the Justin only Timberlake. character that would come back would be mark Zuckerberg. okay so i yeah. don't know if sean parker's still involved with facebook yeah though. is he i think he's like i think he kind of had a similar situation to what uh andrew garfield's character like eduardo like, saverin eduardo saverin like i think his shares are like so diluted that he is still like an owner like he's involved but he doesn't really yeah like matter yeah so um, so really they'd only need to get Jesse Eisenberg back mm -hmm. yeah 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 most likely yeah cool fun times what have you been up to Kyle so 
the past week or so, I was actually out of state for a wedding. Um, I was I was in I was in Denver for that, and I actually saw Godzilla vs Kong while in Denver uh, at an AMC theater there. We don't have any AMC theaters in Lincoln, which kind of makes me sad, but also they're a big corporation. So that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, but also AMC theaters are really nice. Yeah. Um, and their AMC A-list program seems really cool. And if there was an AMC theater here in Lincoln, I would definitely sign up for that. Um, anyway, um, while, while there, obviously I stayed in a hotel uh, and at said hotel, they had a television um and so on on said television they had hbo and so i haven't like actually watched like actual tv probably since i was living at my parents house um and so it was weird just like scrolling through the channels and seeing what was on um and so doing that uh over this past uh, weekend i ended up watching pitch perfect and ted two movies <laughs> that i never anticipated i would actually go back and watch at least not anytime soon i had I think I probably would have ended up rewatching Pitch Perfect at some point, but Ted just was not on my radar. I had seen it like once a while ago, and I was like, you know what? Let's watch Ted. Let's let's see how this is aged. Um, I'll start with Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect is great. Like it's just so much fun. Uh, Dave, you have not seen this movie, correct? Nope. <sighs> Unbelievable. Which like it's whenever I say that, they're like, people are like, you, the kid who loves musicals and theater and singing. Everyone's very surprised. Yeah, but no, I've just, I've they, just not. Seen you would it. love Pitch Perfect. It's like made for you. Um, but yeah, it's a very, very good movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, I think Pitch Perfect Two is also pretty good. Pitch Perfect Three is less, less good. But yeah, I had a good time with it. Uh, I think it's like the the movie that like made Anna Kendrick a name. Um, and yeah, she's really good in it. And I think uh, Adam Devine, Devine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's in it, and he's. I'm just mentioning him because he's from Omaha, which is right. kind of cool. Got a good old Nebraska boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, Pitch Perfect. It's pretty good. Uh, Ted, on the other hand, is actually not that bad. Like it's it's definitely at some point. So the movie came out in like 2012, I think, maybe 2011. Um, and there's some jokes in it that have kind of aged like milk. Um, like it's, so this movie obviously, uh, has, so Seth Rogen, not Seth Rogen, Seth MacFarlane, uh, wrote and directed this movie and he gives the voice of Ted, which is, uh, a teddy bear that Mark Wahlberg's character has had since he was eight and is just for some reason alive. Um, <laughs> and so this teddy bear has grown up with Mark Wahlberg, uh, and he's just like a full like adult, um, that is voiced by Seth, Seth MacFarlane. And he's not like... There's definitely elements of, like, Peter Griffin and Family Guy in the character, but he's not, like, an exact copy, but he's close enough. Um, And so, yeah, there's definitely, like, a lot of, like, type of... There's a lot of the type of humor you get from a Family Guy in in this movie, which, like, isn't exactly my type of humor. Um, But there's definitely, like, a few moments in Ted that are absolutely hilarious. On the whole, I think the movie works for me for the most part it's definitely not going to be like one of my favorite comedies or anything um but the good outweighs the bad here um and i think it's a movie that's at least worth watching once just like see what you think of it just because i think the concept of having a middle-aged teddy bear that's just like smoking weed and just like doing all these like crazy things that you would never expect a teddy bear to do and then mix that with seth MacFarlane's sense of humor um it definitely makes for a unique movie uh a unique experience watching it um, so yeah, I, 
I think I enjoyed it for the most part. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've seen like bits of Ted. Um, I think that came out like early 2010s, something like that. Yeah, I think it was like 2012 or something. Yeah, so I was like too young to see it at that point. But like my my dad really liked it. Um, and so he like just like showed me some like clips that I could see as a 13 year old and be like swearing teddy bear. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I don't remember what year Ted two came out, but I remember I saw Ted two in a theater and I, re- I watched the first Ted in anticipation for Ted two. Um, and Ted two was not good. It was, yeah. So don't watch that one. But if you're, if you're interested at all, the first one, it's worth a shot. It came yeah. out at the point in time in which Mila Kunis was in like everything. Uh, she is in nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but so Mila, Mila Kunis is, is like the romantic interest in this movie. Nice. Um, and yeah. That's pretty good. Cool. Have you seen Ted, Mia? I have not. I remember when it came out, though, and thinking, this looks dirty. And then I never watched it. <laughs> it, it, definitely, it definitely is a dirty movie. <laughs> that nice. Is a, an accurate assessment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll just jump into our news for the week. Um, so briefly off the top, uh, we won't get too into this, but there was a lot of news that came out today, uh, involving Ray Fisher, uh, and the allegations he's made against, uh, Warner Brothers, uh, executives and specifically Joss Whedon as the director of Justice League. Um, the TLDR is it's a bad situation. Some, some not great stuff happened in the filming of Justice League. Joss Whedon doesn't seem like a very great or professional human being um, from this and many many other accounts that have come out recently yeah yeah um it's yeah it's it's just it's not a great situation and we don't really talk about these types of controversies on this podcast so we'll we'll move on from it pretty quickly but just generally i guess what do you guys think about this whole thing yeah i think um yeah like i said i think Joss Whedon was kind of like a uh, Hollywood golden boy for a a few years. Like he, you know, he did the Avengers and I love Firefly um, and, you know, made some great TV and movies. Um, But I forgot he did Firefly. Yes. I also also love Firefly. Firefly and Serenity. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think we can very much separate the art from the artist here and just be like, we like these things that he has done, but just a terrible dude all around <laughs> based on like just everything that has come out about him recently. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's really unfortunate that Ray Fisher had to go through all of this and that Warner brothers really just kind of tried to silence him yeah. um, with, with a lot of this and really not provide any support for him or, you know, Gal Gadot or really anybody who was, who faced abuse from Joss Whedon on the set. Um, and yeah, I think it's just, especially, you know, we talked a little bit about this, like Ray Fisher is great in Zack Snyder Justice League mm-hmm. and showed that he is a great cyborg and a really, really good actor. <laughs> and it's sad that we probably will not see that again, just because he had such a negative experience. Yeah. I want to just like point out just like how, I think brave is an overused word, but I think just like how brave Ray Fisher is and coming out and like saying these things mm-hmm. and sticking with what he's saying. Um, because like, so on, um, so he posted a lot about it on Twitter and at the end of most of his posts, he has like an A over E thing, which stands for accountability before entertainment. Um, and he's, yeah. So Ray Fisher obviously isn't like a big name in Hollywood. Like the, the role of cyborg is like the biggest thing he's done. Mm-hmm. He, other, prior to that, he was like a Broadway actor. And I think since then he's been on like the third season of true detective, 
um, but he hasn't gotten a lot of work. And so like the role of Cyborg, um, especially since he was being like offered a role in The Flash and that kind of stuff, for an actor that is like just starting his career, it would be very easy to just kind of like roll with the punches and just do what you have to do to make sure you keep this massive role. And that's not what Ray Fisher is doing. Ray Fisher is, yeah, prioritizing accountability over entertainment. And it might be destroying this aspect of his career. Like he's probably never going to be cyborg again, um, which is really sad to see because he's great in the role. Um, but it props to him for sticking with his guns. Um, I guess no pun intended because cyborg, I don't know, that was not really a pun. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think it was, it was a yeah. big pun. Maybe it was intended. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not a great situation, but yeah. Do you have any thoughts, Mia? Not particularly. I mean, I just read the, what was it, the Hollywood Reporter yeah. um, article today, and I was, more, I mean, it was a very, very extensive article, and so the kind of uh, lower half of it, I was like, this is, this is a lot of names, and it's hard to keep track of everyone, so I, I don't think I understood as much of it if I had um, really read it super carefully, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, I wonder... Could you ever see him returning to the role if, like, Joss Whedon was no longer part of DC or... So Joss Whedon's already out um, at DC, um, and Jeff Johns is, like, v- vaguely involved in some things, but he's not in, like, the same executive position he was. And there have been, I think, some other problematic things that have come out about him, so I think they've kind of faced hmm. him out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the big holdup is kind of like Ray Fisher's decision, and mm-hmm. that's he's not a big fan of Walter Hamada, who is uh, the head executive at DC Entertainment. Um, and Walter, it's a long, it's a very long situation, but Walter Hamada came in and was given that job after all the stuff with Justice League had already happened. So mm-hmm. he came in and was just kind of left in the aftermath of it. And apparently there was a, a phone call between him and Ray Fisher in which Ray Fisher says that Walter Hamada like was trying to minimize a lot of the experiences and Walter Hmm. Hamada denies that. Um, and a lot of people are defending Walter Hamada saying that he wasn't involved in any of this. He's trying to like just resolve it, which I kind of agree with, but Ray Fisher said that he doesn't want to work on a DC film as long as Walter Hamada is involved and Walter Hamada is not going anywhere. They actually just renewed his contract through like 2024, uh, Hmm. a few weeks ago. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so unless Ray Fisher decides he likes Walter Hamada all of a sudden, which like could happen, like they could figure something out, but he just doesn't. It doesn't seem like that's where this is going. Hmm. But interesting. Yeah. Um, moving on from there, uh, let's talk about DC in a more positive light, um, and that's they kind of seem to be getting getting their stuff together. Um, so this week we got the news that they had pulled the plug on Ava DuVernay's New Gods film and the spinoff film from Aquaman The Trench, both of which were movies that nobody was asking for. Um, and so, yeah, they've officially just canceled those movies because they said that they don't fit with their overall plans moving forward, which implies that they have a plan moving forward. <laughs> yeah, uh, good job, so, yeah in, the, in the article that came out saying that these movies were canceled, uh, there was a quote that said that, Aside from, like, random Elseworld movies like Joker and The Batman, um, all of their, like, main DCEU films are actually going to be in a solid continuity moving forward. So Aquaman 2, uh, The Suicide Squad, 
Shazam, Shazam two, yeah. Black Adam, uh, all these movies that are that are coming soon. The Flash uh, are going to be part of an actual interconnected universe, um, which I'm excited to see them going back to. Uh, I'm sure that these movies will still kind of stand alone, like in the same way that like the first Aquaman and the first Shazam did. Um, where, like, they were vaguely connected to the universe, but they were definitely their own thing. I kind of hope they keep that direction, but, like, still have it be a connected universe. That maybe, if everything's successful, one day they build together into some form of Justice League again. Um, I don't know what uh, version of Justice League without Ben Affleck's Batman and Henry Cavill's Superman in this universe would look like. But we'll find out. Maybe they just be like well it's just a team of heroes without any of the big guys uh it's just aquaman the flash black adam shazam whatever heroes they have that are working well at that point and wonder woman wonder woman 3 is also coming um so yeah what do you guys think about this yeah i think um hearing like a little bit about what uh ava duvernay was planning on doing with new gods like i think that sounds interesting Mm -hmm. um so like that's a shame that that it's not going to happen. The trench just seemed like a weird, like based on the five minute sequence of there are some scary monsters in that trench. Don't go near that trench yeah. in Aquaman. Like, I don't really, really care about that. And like, it was like a spinoff, but it was with all of the Aquaman actors. And so it was just like, just make Aquaman two Like you're already making, it just seemed like kind of a weird thing. Yeah. So I think it makes sense that they're doing this. And yeah. yeah. And one like notable thing here is in the story, they said that, um, they still like DC still has like a positive relationship with Ava DuVernay and James Wan uh, over these films. They said that if eventually they do decide to go back to these properties, like those two directors are the like they've got basically dibs on these. So like if they do decide they want to do a new Gods film at some point, they will go back to Ava DuVernay because they apparently liked what she was doing, but it just didn't really fit with their roadmap right now. Um, which it's just exciting to see them have some sort of restraint uh, on the movies they're making. Um, it also yeah. fits just within their pattern of like just announcing a bunch of things that are just never going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have any thoughts, Mia? <laughs> Not particularly. You know how. You're a big DC. Fan. How invested I am in that. Yeah. Number one. DC <laughs> Number media. one. Especially above you two. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, moving on from there. Uh, got the news uh, through James Gunn's Twitter account that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be shooting this year. Um, which, like, we knew this was coming because I don't know when this film is dated for release. Does it have a date for release? It might not. I uh, I think it's, like, early 2023 because, like, what? the um, holiday special is December 2022, and I think it's coming out, like, soon after that. Yeah, it's, it's just holidays. right now just vaguely dated for 2023. Okay. Um, but, yeah, uh, the reason I find this surprising is because James Gunn is already very busy this year. Like, he's... Currently in post-production on The Suicide Squad. He's currently in production on Peacemaker, uh, the TV series for HBO Max. And he's currently apparently heavily in pre-production on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So this guy, how does he have time to sleep? Like, he's just jumping between these three massive projects and, like, where where does he get the time? That's a very good question. Yikes. Um, So... I'm very excited that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is shooting this year, obviously. So I loved the first Guardians, uh, rewatched the second one recently, and enjoyed it a lot more than I did the first time. I think that they're probably on par for me at this point. So I'm very excited to see where, where they go with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, when he announced this on Twitter, he said that the third one is 
going to be a lot bigger than the first two, um, which I'm very excited to see. I think the Marvel uh, like galactic universe is is really interesting, and James Gunn's done some really wild stuff with it. I've gone in some interesting directions, and I'm excited to see what he does even bigger moving forward, I guess. Um, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, shooting this year. What do you guys think? Excited. Very, very exciting. I also just watched the second Guardians last week, and I think when I... Well, this is besides the point, but I I agree with what you're saying, like of it r- rising in my mind, in my rank mm-hmm. ranking of all of the Marvel movies. Yeah, which makes me very excited. Um, I think I saw the first and second ones kind of back to back, and Sean Gunn's character is like one of my favorites, and so I'm just excited to see what they do with him. Yeah, uh, and Sean Gunn is actually in the suicide squad but he's playing a mocap character he oh, plays a okay. uh, weasel he which plays, is... he plays that character that licks the grate ah, yeah that's, okay that's shanga nice <laughs> love that yeah um so yeah very exciting yes uh moving on from there uh, i want to talk a bit about godzilla versus kong again uh, and that's specifically because of the box office for godzilla versus kong uh we talked about this a bit last week with the international box office numbers coming in being pretty well uh, doing pretty well, um, but now we've got domestic numbers, and yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, over the three-day weekend, uh, it generated 32 million at the box office, but over the five-day weekend, uh, it was 48.5 million dollars. Um, which, to put that in perspective, uh, the first, or not the first, uh, but Godzilla: King of the Monsters, which was the last uh, film in this universe to open up, uh, over three days made about 50 million or 55 million and then over the first five days was at 57 million so i think in uh in a normal world without pandemic i think godzilla versus kong would have been a much bigger film than this i think it probably so the first godzilla back in 2014 opened around 90 million uh, and i think godzilla versus kong probably would have been been around that same number um but the fact that it hit numbers similar to king of the monsters just a couple of years ago while we're still in the middle of a pandemic is very encouraging <laughs> it's showing that just people are excited to go back to the movies especially to see movies like this that are just very big spectacle movies that you want to see on the biggest screen possible and yeah it's just exciting to see people going back to the movies it's it's i had a, like dave and i obviously we both went and saw it uh in a theater and it was so much fun. It yes. felt so good to be in, in the theater <laughs> watching this kind of movie. And honestly, it got me really excited to see Mortal Kombat in a theater. Like, I'm, like it comes out in a few weeks. Uh, we'll talk about Mortal Kombat a bit later. Um, but, like, just so I don't know if the trailer for Mortal Kombat played before you saw Godzilla vs. Kong. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it just, I had a very positive experience, and I'm looking forward to going back. Yeah. You guys have any other general thoughts on the success of Godzilla vs. Kong? Yeah, I think... I hope it is an encouraging sign um, for the industry, and I hope that um, studio executives look at this and say, okay, hey, we can we can start putting movies back in theaters, um, and hopefully this, this pandemic isn't the death of movie theaters like a lot of people think it th- thought it was going to be, and, you know, still could be, I think. I don't know if we're ever going to go back to the way things work like totally in, in just like yeah. the release model. I think maybe movies that aren't big blockbusters might have like a dual sharing of like being on a being on being on a streaming service and in theaters at the same time because if that's not if it's a movie that it's like, okay, I can watch this on a big screen or just on my T V, then it doesn't really matter. I think we could see stuff like that still. Yeah. But. Um 
uh, another like additional thing to this is like part of what makes this so impressive is that uh, Godzilla vs Kong was available on HBO Max for no additional charge. Mm. So like people could have stayed home and watched this movie, and I'm sure a lot of people did. Um, but it still managed to be this successful even with that at home option. Um, but yeah, uh, going off of what you were saying though, Dave, um, in terms of like what theatrical releases could look at look like post-pandemic we've already kind of got somewhat of an idea so warner brothers has made a deal with i believe regal cinemas and the deal will probably be extended to most other uh chains that they are shortening their theatrical run from about 75 days to 45 days um so it'll be like just over a month that movies will have to play in theaters exclusively and then after that they can go to vod or streaming services or whatever the studio decides to do with it so i think we'll we'll start to see a lot more shorter um, theatrical runs which like 95 percent of a movie's box office was going to come in that first month anyway um so yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how it goes but you have any thoughts mia no, I just like listening to you guys talk. <laughs> Mia, Mia is very tired. My brain is shutting down. Yeah, I don't know why. Cool. So I'm just I'm just listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- this next topic might be a little bit more up your alley. Uh, Stephen Yun, uh, who just is coming off of his fantastic performance in Minari, in which he's nominated for an Oscar, has joined the cast of Jordan Peele's next film. Uh, Jordan Peele's next film. We don't. I don't think we have a title for it yet. Um, but it's so far starring Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya. Um, and yeah, now also Steven Yeun. Uh, Steven Yeun is a fantastic actor. I'm glad to see him getting more work like this, especially with a director as talented as Jordan Peele. So I just think this is very exciting. Uh, what do you guys think? Very exciting. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think I'm always interested when I see, this is not maybe directly related to Steven's joining um the project but i think it's always exciting when you see an actor and a director like teaming up for another project Mm -hmm. just um and then following obviously get out's kind of historic success i think that makes me more excited than to see steven join this project and wonder what on earth it's gonna look like do we know like anything about this like release at all or don't know i feel like we might have gotten something a few months ago okay uh i will do a quick google though so yeah uh, we don't know much about it right now um it's set for a release date of july 22nd 2022 Mm. um and it is a horror film um that's about all we know of it right now um but yeah nice cool that's exciting what are your thoughts dave yeah i this is yeah definitely exciting i hope we get this sooner rather than later because he has made two very good movies and i would like to see him make more (laughs) movies um so yeah moving on from there uh we got the news that anthony ramos uh who most people will recognize from uh hamilton um he's also starring in the upcoming uh in the heights uh anthony ramos is potentially starring in a new transformers sequel so we've been talking about a lot about transformers lately there's like several films in development so i don't know which one of these films this is but i think it'd be really interesting to see anthony ramos take on this kind of role um i think he's a very talented actor so i'm glad to see him getting work in these big budget movies like this um and yeah good for him yeah very exciting yeah i'm like well i feel like i haven't really seen him acting in much apart from like Hamilton on Disney Plus and A Star Is Born, and that's oh, yeah, it. He's in that. I forgot he was in A Star I know, is Born. which I'm I didn't not, know who I he was. 
just in the beginning, he's uh, Lady he, like, Gaga's friend. Says one line, I think, or maybe not even. <laughs> I think he's like in the beginning, and then like he's in a few other scenes. Yeah, I think he's just yeah. like Lady Gaga's friend from the restaurant that she works at at yep. the start of that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but so that's all to say, I don't really know him really as an actor. Yeah, so he starred in a, uh, a Liam Neeson action movie a few months ago with Jack Courtney as well. Oh. I don't I don't remember hmm. how well received that movie was. I assume not very. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but I remember seeing trailers for it and being like, whoa, Anthony Ramos is fighting Liam Neeson. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Honest Thief is the movie. That's it. He was Ramon Hall hmm. wanting to lead a, an honest life. A notorious bank robber turns himself in only to be double crossed by two ruthless FBI agents. What's it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, there's a 46 meta score, so it's not bad. Has a 39 percent. Hmm, could be worse, but also not great. 87 percent audio audience score though, (laughs) so maybe it's fine. Yeah, (laughs) it's probably nothing though. Uh, Moving on from there, uh, we got some massive news out of Netflix this week that they have paid 469 million dollars for the rights to Knives Out and are developing two sequels with Ryan Johnson coming back. To direct both of them, uh, why am I blanking on uh, Dan- Daniel Craig? I don't know why I was blanking on Daniel Craig's Daniel name. Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Daniel Craig's going to be coming back to star in these movies. Um, and yeah, they're giving Ryan Johnson total creative control over both of them. Um, he could personally receive a payment of up to $100 million for this purchase. Uh, and both sequels will have a budget of at least $40 million, which is what the budget of the first one was. Um, but he's welcome to exceed that budget if he's like. So basically, Netflix is going all in on this mo- on the, the Knives Out sequels, which like I'm sure these will be very successful because Knives Out, like it was successful when it came out, but it's definitely like gathered a following in the, in the it's been a year, year and a half since it yeah. came out. Um, in the in the time since it came out, it's definitely like gained an audience. Um, so I think Netflix paid this much money because I don't think they're expecting to like make all of this money back off of these two Knives Out movies in particular. But I think that they're hoping that it can generate enough interest in their service that they will continue to to make the mon- the kind of money that they are making and potentially make even more off of that. Yeah. So I think they're they're definitely playing the long the long game here. Um, but yeah. The, at the end of the day, we're getting two sequels to Knives Out, which is very, very exciting. Yes. And I'm hoping they go along the lines of like what uh, the Death on the Nile is to um, Murder on the Orient Express a few years ago, where it's just like the same detective, but it's a different, entirely stacked cast, um, which I think would just be a ton of fun. Yeah. And also just good for Ryan Johnson. Like just a couple of years ago, like that name, like the name of Ryan Johnson was just associated with just like toxicity in hollywood and just like all of the the backlash he got over the last jedi and now he's potentially getting paid a hundred million dollars to make two more movies based on his massively successful knives out like this dude is he's just doing pretty well for himself and i think it it's pretty well deserved um what do you guys think about all of this knives out stuff it's a lot of money (laughs) you're right mia yes um yeah, I'm super hyped for this. I hope it. I hope we just get the continued adventures of Benoit Blanc, um, and just seeing what he's doing. Maybe he can like go international, and he can go like to some some country and like solve a mystery there, or I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think 
Um, I think this definitely makes sense for Netflix. I think I'm sure they are still doing just fine, but as Disney Plus is just gaining like a lot of momentum and so many other streaming services are starting to gain gain their footing, I think Netflix is still probably king um, at this point, but. I think they definitely need to take some big swings for like established IP. Um, so yeah, I think this is a really good, really good, definitely good choice for them. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah. Um, moving on from there. Uh, so we mentioned Mortal Kombat earlier. So Mortal Kombat has been delayed by a week, um, I believe to like April 20 something. I don't know, April 23rd, I think. Um, and this might sound kind of boring, but I just think it's a really interesting reason uh, for doing it. Um, and the reason, so Warner Brothers didn't give this reason specifically, but it would just like make sense. And like this is most likely the reason um, is that it was slated for release almost exactly a month after Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, so if you had subscribed for it to HBO Max, uh, like the day Zack Snyder's Justice League came out, then within that one month subscription, you would have gotten Zack Snyder's Justice League, Godzilla vs. Kong, and Mortal Kombat, all for no additional charge. So I think they just bumped it a week so that if you want to see Mortal Kombat 2, you got to subscribe for another month, um, which I just think is kind of interesting. And also, like, why didn't you see that a long time ago when yeah. you were dating these movies to begin with? Um, <laughs> like, they're like, it kind of seems like they like just suddenly realized the mistake that they had made, and they're like, you know what, we'll just like move this over a little bit. Um, which, like, yeah, it makes sense. I just thought it was kind of interesting. You guys have anything to add? Are you guys excited about Mortal Kombat at all? Uh, I think the trailer got me, like, from no excitement to, like, minimal excitement. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really know if I'll go see this in theaters. Um, I think I, like, in normal times, I probably just would. But with kind of, like, the calculus of, like... How much of my life do I want to risk to see this movie? <laughs> and I was like, Big Monkey versus Big Lizard? Yes, sure. <laughs> um, but this, I'm like, I have HBO Max. I don't know if I want to like pay more to see this movie. I might as unless it gets like really, really good reviews, which I somehow expect it like probably won't. Like I think it'll be like pretty fine at best. I don't think it's gonna be like an amazing action movie. Um, so yeah, I might, I probably will just watch it on my TV though. So yeah. if you guys had to guess right now, what do you think the final Rotten Tomatoes score is for this Mortal Kombat movie? 45. Ooh, I was going to say 37. I think it'll be like 72. Interesting. I think it's, I think it'll be pretty good. <laughs> nice. Um, well, I hope so. I hope it's a good movie. Uh, the, the early word from it is that it's very violent good um, which is what you would expect out of a mortal (laughs) mortal kombat movie yes and we kind of got that from the the first red bad trailer um but yeah uh moving on speaking of trailers we've got some four pretty big trailers to talk about this week um three of which are superhero related and one is just fun (laughs) one is space jam (laughs) yes um so yeah well since since we've mentioned space jam we'll just start start with space jam uh, so Space Jam A New Legacy is the, the long-awaited sequel to 
the the 90s classic Space Jam starring Michael Jordan and all of the Looney Tunes. Um, and yeah, this one stars LeBron James uh, and uh, Don Cheadle as the villain. Al G. Rhythm. Al G. Rhythm uh, is, is the name of Don Cheadle's character here. Um, and yeah, this movie looks kind of really dumb, but also that's kind of what the first Space Jam was. And so it definitely looks like a Space Jam movie. And I think if you're into that, this movie's probably going to be pretty entertaining. Um, I, so I wasn't a big Space Jam kid personally, but my brother was, my older brother, and so therefore I watched Space Jam quite a bit as a kid. So like I've got a fair amount of nostalgia wrapped up in it. And like yeah, just watching this mo- uh, this trailer and hearing like the, the classic Space Jam song uh, in there kind of got me a bit excited. There's a lot of Warner Brothers IP in here. Like there's references to Game of Thrones and The Wizard of Oz and the Maltese Falcon and It and also basically any Warner Brothers IP you can think of from Scooby-Doo to, I don't know, a bunch of other, Mad Max Fury Road. The Flintstones. The Flintstones. Um, Tim Burton's Batman. A Clockwork Orange for some <laughs> a reason. A Clockwork Orange. Uh, yeah, all of these movies, like are found in this trailer somewhere. Like, you can pause, you can just see the characters in the background. I think it'll be very Ready Player One, where there's just, like, the ending sequence basketball game will just be, like, insane. Like, just characters just running at each other, and just, it'll just be like a, you're just trying to spot everybody that's in it kind yeah. of thing, so. Um, and, yeah, the one thing when I first watched this trailer that I wasn't sold on was, like, the the goon squad, the, like, other team that they're facing. Um, but, like, through reading about it a little bit afterwards, apparently all of the members of the of the goon squad are based off of, like, real NBA and WNBA players. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're played by those yeah. players. So I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it's better than just, like random monsters that mm. there were in the first uh in the first space yeah. jam um but yeah I'm, I'm interested i'm not like dying to see this movie by any means it comes out on my birthday so i'll probably just check it out have a good time yeah. with the space jam <laughs> um so yeah what do you guys think yeah you know i'm honestly really excited for this like i only watched i watched space jam like right when the pandemic hit for the first time um, and I'm like, this sucks, but I like it. And I think that's what I'll think about this movie is it'll suck, but I'll like it probably. Um, I hope it just embraces like the silliness of this. It looks like it's go. It looks like it's going to, I hope it just like a big, dumb, fun adventure through a bunch of Warner brothers IP and there's some Looney Tunes in it too. So yeah. What do you think Mia? I mean, I was um uh, multiverse this universe doesn't have much interest <laughs> to me to me i don't have much interest in it have you seen the original space jam? i have not you should watch space jam i'd be down to watch space jam <laughs> it's it's dumb but it's, it's fun. a kid's a kid's movie it's just yeah. a fun i mean kids movie. i don't know i it's feel like Michael there's Jordan so playing many basketball with looney tunes i, I mean like, i really don't care at all about basketball <laughs> i don't i will I, say I, that I much like i don't like basketball at all i also don't like the looney tunes what do you mean? What, what do you mean you don't like the Looney Tunes? I don't know. What do you mean? I just think they're overrated. <laughs> Mia's ejected. Yeah, get out of here. This, this is, I don't know. This, I... Is a, this is a Looney Tunes safety zone. You do not slander <laughs> the Looney Tunes here. No slander against Looney Tunes. I don't know. I don't have much to say about this. Sad. I think it's a, it's a captivating trailer, though. And it looks... I like the animation style, definitely. 
I think the best part of this trailer is I don't I can never remember the name of the Looney Tune that's just like the big mustache with guns. Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam. I think it's hilarious when he when Daffy Duck asks him to to shoot the ball and then he just like pulls out his guns and just like blows it away. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that, that's a that's a classic Looney Tunes gag. It is. So. Um, very good. Yes. Very exciting. Um, yeah, moving on from there, we got a new trailer for Black Widow. So we talked last week about how Black Widow has gotten a new release date for July 9th, and it will be going on in theaters and on Disney Plus Premier Access. And so they released a new trailer to kind of announce that to the world. Um, and I thought this trailer was really good. Uh, the first half of it's definitely like just a, a flashback trailer where they're just showing her in previous MCU movies. And when that was going on, I was like, all right, yeah, like whatever. It's just kind of one of those filler trailers. But then the second half of this trailer uh, really kind of ramps it up. You get a lot of new footage, um, some great stuff with uh, David Harbour. And it looks like they like de-aged him a bit for some of the flashback sequences. You see a young Natasha with blue hair. Um, and yeah, just some generally fun, exciting action sequences. Get a little bit more Taskmaster. And yeah, I'm very excited. I think this is probably one of the best trailers I've ever released for this movie. Um, it's definitely got me a bit more excited to see Black Widow because, like, their original marketing campaign marketing campaign was almost done by the time the pandemic hit last year, and so they're it's they have to strike an interesting balance now of having another marketing campaign while also not showing us the entire movie. And I think by releasing this kind of trailer, they did a really good job with that. Um, so yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on the new Black Widow trailer? <laughs> okay um yeah it looks really good i think i just want this movie to come out i just would like to see it and i hope it's good um i don't really feel like we got like a ton new besides kind of like those flashbacks because i don't think we really got an indication of that in the mm -hmm. first trailers so um yeah it looked really interesting i think the cast is great i'm sure it'll be very like winter soldier-esque type of movie um so yeah i'm sure it'll be a good time i the one concern i have is the accents <laughs> i feel like we don't like is there gonna i don't know if there's actually gonna be much of um of black widow having much of an accent just because it seems like it's more set in like current think, not current yeah, i but, think the you film know set saying. like between captain america civil war and like endgame oh I think. okay yes or yeah. infinity war it's while okay. she's on the run oh that that's span right of time yeah okay yeah so i guess it's only then for florence Pugh, really but yeah pew 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 <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited to see Florence Pugh in this yeah. movie. Also, uh, if you if you believe a lot of the reports going around, Florence Pugh is going to have a, quite the future in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think she's just going to be the next Black Widow. I think probably. so, too. So. Um, but wow. there's a rumor going around that she shows up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and there's a rumor going around that she, felt, she shows up in Hawkeye as well. So we might get a lot of Florence Pugh this year in the Marvel yeah. Universe. It's very exciting. I'm so um, excited. I'm calling it now. I think David Harbour's character dies in this movie. I don't think yeah. he makes it out. I think that I feel like we will learn to love him through the flashbacks and be like, oh, he was like a dad to them. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if yep. we get attached to him, he will die. So, yep. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, moving on from there, we got another MCU trailer for Loki, uh, the Disney Plus series that believe, I believe starts airing at the beginning of July. Yep. So around the time Black Widow comes out. And man, I think this is one of the best Marvel trailers that they've Actually, I think it's June, start of June. They delayed it recently. Um, mm, 
or is it it might be in I june i think it's june yeah it's they june. delayed it from may to june yeah. i got i got confused i was thinking they delayed it from june to july yeah. uh, anyway i think this is one of the best marvel trailers they've released in years <laughs> yes like this is a very good trailer and this is like coming from someone who i had zero interest in a loki series i had zero interest what? in like any loki material moving forward i th- thought loki is a fine character in the movies he's in but like i didn't have any interest in seeing him in his own story and man i am on board for this show this looks incredible um i think it takes the mcu in a very very interesting sci-fi direction that was unanticipated uh owen wilson looks incredible in this show like he just looks very good and he man he's rocking that mustache <laughs> he um, is. and yeah wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm just very excited for this Loki show. I think it has the potential to be like some of the best material that the Marvel Universe has released to date. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it looks tremendous. Looks like a very good time. Um, I think, yeah. I don't really know like how much of the plot we knew before this, but this was kind of like my first inkling that it will be him like having to fix the rifts in the timeline that he created by taking the Tesseract in Endgame. Um, I think that's a really cool idea. And from the first trailer, um, it looks like uh, he's going to be like D.B. Cooper, who is like, that's like a very famous like fugitive mm-hmm. case that like has never been solved and just like saying that like he's that guy. And I think it could be a very fun mix of like, Loki being placed into like real world like mystery situations but also he could pop into like various movies a la Endgame where mm-hmm. he where they're just doing some time jumping and maybe he interacts with characters in different points in time and so yeah I think and yeah I, I didn't really think about this too until this trailer is that this is like a Loki who is not developed like at all yeah. like he is still very much a villain like he is a at this point he was just captured by the Avengers for the first time mm-hmm. and is very much still a bad person. Yeah, so like this previously for this version of Loki had been the first Avengers movie. So he had like none of the character development from the Dark World or from Thor Ragnarok or any of the other Avengers mm-hmm. movies. So it's inter- I mean, it'll be interesting to see them going back to kind of like a villain Loki. Yeah, and I think he could maybe be like relearning how to be like a good person through what he's doing. Um so yeah, it looks mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. I think I I only watched it the one time, but I had to pause it several times just because I was getting so excited. <laughs> you like Tom Hiddleston. Oh, my, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I like the different outfits he has. <laughs> yeah, he's rocking that that suit. Um, like, it's, it looks very good. Yeah, he does. Mia's, <laughs> <laughs> Mia's just holding her head in her hands and just blushing. And just... just swooning a little, yeah. <laughs> He's just, mm, man, I used to be in love with him when I was in my teen years. I think I chose pretty well, so... <laughs> I mean, it's like I've got pretty good taste. Yeah. Pretty good, yeah. You no. and just everybody else. Basically. Tom, Tom oh yeah, 2013. That was a dark year. Yeah. <laughs> Those were dark times when you were in love with Tom. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, I think what you were saying, Dave, about um, like doing the time jumping and interacting with the plot points of other movies. I feel like that's one of my favorite tropes in any movie and especially in Endgame. Like that's my favorite section of the movies when they go back to Avengers specifically. Um, so I would, I would love to see this and like using old footage and I don't know. I think it could be really, really exciting. So yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Uh, moving on from there, uh, the last trailer we want to talk about is 
we got another new trailer for the Suicide Squad. So we talked about the first Suicide Squad trailer just a couple weeks ago, um, but they released a second trailer um, because that first trailer was a Red Band trailer, and they needed something to be able to play in front of Godzilla vs. Kong, which is PG-13 in theaters. Uh, but instead of doing like what Mortal Kombat did, where they just edit out all the swear words and violence, they just made another trailer. Um, and I think it's a better trailer than the first one. I agree. It's 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 yeah, it's very good. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fun moments in this. It definitely like shows a lot more of the the individual characters that we didn't see in the first in the first trailer for it. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited for this movie. Go James Gunn. Yeah, I think it looks really fun. Um, I was yeah very pleasantly surprised by this because we didn't really know we were getting this and it yeah i saw godzilla versus kong opening night and so i just it just started playing in front of the movie and i had no idea it was coming like that's like a ve- i feel like that's a very like throwback kind of movie experience because mm-hmm. all of the trailers i see in front of movies these days are typically things i've already seen so i'm like okay cool like yeah I, i'm glad to see this trailer on the big screen but it's not like a new experience for me Mm -hmm. and so i was very excited just to to see that and um see it for the first time um in in a theater but yeah it looks great yeah like you said there's some more like we see more of uh rat catcher and polka dot man um and um arm fall off boy played by (laughs) nathan fillion um i do you think he's like do you think his arms just fall off a little bit or like do you think he can like have his arms fly across the room and like hit someone like 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 what do you think I feel that like is there's a, a pretty pretty small like radius it looked very small so like yeah. maybe it just they could just fall off slightly i think that would almost be better yeah it just he's just a power that's pretty useless i yeah. think that'd be funny. i think nathan fillion's character is one of the ones that's gonna get killed early on i agree yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah uh, especially someone named arm fall off boy so yeah. <laughs> um so yeah uh, I guess moving on from there. Or did you have any thoughts, Mia? Not really, no. Cool. Um, we'll just move into the main topic. And our main topic this week, we, we wanted to do something kind of fun that wasn't really related to anything we were, any other things we were talking about this week. And so we wanted to talk about uh, some of the best and worst movie plot twists, uh, just like throughout our, our own film viewing, I guess, throughout history. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. We're talking about some some plot twists. So we we've each kind of got like little little lists of what we consider to be some of our favorite and some of our least favorite movie plot twists. Um, do we want to start with one or the other, or do we just kind of want to do a mix? I think we can just do a mix and talk about whatever we want. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe we should say uh, spoiler alert for yes. for all these. I think maybe the rule for us should be if all of us have seen the movie. A, if that, and B, if we haven't and we just don't care, then we can, like, fully talk about, like, what the twist is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, in that case, spoiler warning. But if it's, like, I know there are a few here that, like, you guys haven't seen that I don't want to spoil for you, so yeah. I'll just kind of talk about it in more vague terms. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's start. So we'll do, like, a round robin, and let's start with, like, all three of us will do, like, one worst, and then we can go over to best and whatever, if you're cool with that. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, who wants to go first? I can go. So starting with worst? Yep. All right, cool. So I have, I definitely have fewer worst twists than best. Um, <laughs> but I will start with a movie, uh, a Christmas movie, uh, Last Christmas. Um, so I think I've talked about this with mm-hmm. both of you. Yeah. Um, so do you care if I go into no, full? No, because I was just it? reading lists all about yes, it. Full so. in-depth detail. Spoiler warning for Last Christmas. So... Last Christmas is a very 
just okay Christmas movie, just taking it like on its face. Like it's it's fine. Um, it exclusively uses the music of George Michael and Wham. So like it's you know has a fun soundtrack. It's, it's Last Christmas, obviously the song Last Christmas, um, and it's just about. Um, this woman who works in like this like year-round Christmas shop and she's just kind of jaded about life and Christmas in general. Um, and she, and it's played by, um... Amelia Yeah, Amelia Clark. Clark. Amelia Clark, yes. And then Henry Golding. And Henry Golding, yes. And Henry Golding plays this, her love interest who comes into her life and teaches her about, um, life and love and happiness. And like, there's this And the magic of Christmas. Yeah, and the magic of Christmas, uh, you know, as, as would be expected. Um, and there's kind of this like subplot of she had this like serious, um, like health crisis like a year ago and she's still like recovering from that and like trying to like reacclimate to life. Um, and so it just kind of carries on like a typical Christmas movie. And then at the very end, it is revealed that Henry Golding's character is a ghost (laughs) and he is the ghost of the heart donor who, um, saved her life the night that she had some some health emergency a year ago and it was at last christmas and so the entire point of the movie is the first line of the song last christmas says last christmas i gave you my heart and that's just literally what happened (laughs) last christmas he gave her his physical heart um and yeah and then the movie just ends. Like, that's, like, pretty much the end. There's a scene where she, like... And so they always hang out on this one bench in this park. And so then she goes back to that bench, and she sees that the bench that they always sit on is in loving memory of this guy. And I'm like, you didn't look at it, like, before this? Like, you didn't even notice that. Um, and, like, if you... And so I knew this twist going into seeing this because my sister had seen it and she, like, had told me about it and was like, you just need to watch this movie because it's just a hilarious experience. And so <laughs> there are, like, hints throughout because nobody else interacts with him, like, at all. And he's and he's always like, oh, I have work during the day, so I can't see you right now. And and sometimes she's, she's just like, he hasn't texted me in weeks. And then it's like, <laughs> then he just, like, shows up out of nowhere. And so it's like... If you know the twist, it's pretty obvious that something is very wrong. Um, but it's just wild, man. Like it for no reason. Like like there's no reason for this twist. I it's written by Emma Thompson, and she's in it. She plays Amelia Clark's um, Hungarian mother, and she has a terrible <laughs> accent. Um, she's very funny in it, though. Um, and yeah, she wrote it, and I think she just uh, was listening to that song and was like. What if? <laughs> like, I think she just wrote the entire premise of that movie around that. So it's just, it's it's quite the movie. I think it's like, it's not good. I don't even think it's like a good movie in general. But it's just, it's a, it's like an entertaining bad Christmas movie that has an insane twist. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's very good. Yeah, hmm. What about you, Mia? Okay, so I only had one on my list. And I don't know if this is necessarily a twist. That was almost a rhyme. It was a rhyme. List twist. Or, yeah. It's not... I don't think it's a twist. Do you know the movie One Day? No. No. Okay. Do you care? No. Because I'm going to give it such a scathing review... Go for it. ...that you won't watch it. Um, Basically, it's based on a book. So, I feel like I just... 
sometimes books don't translate to movies well and this is a great example of that it's this couple who are basically it's the like bickering like fighters to lovers trope basically and they spend pretty much the entire movie not falling in love not being romantically involved and figuring out their differences and just being on opposite ends of every issue and it's Anne Hathaway and Jim Sturgis and um yeah you think oh this is not a good couple like they they shouldn't be together and then they end up together and it's like okay they're working through their problems and literally it's in like the last maybe 10 minutes of the movie and they finally have resolved their issues they're happy together they're like moving forward in life and you see Anne Hathaway's character like biking home from the pool and you're like this is going to end on a happy note because they're living together like they've resolved all these issues and then she gets hit by a bus and killed (laughs) (laughs) that is definitely a twist i'd say okay Yeah. yeah and that's i think basically like one of the last scenes and that's just how it ends like oh she died do you like see her get hit by the oh yeah yeah is it kind of funny (laughs) like in the sense that like when like in a mean girl's way where and like you know what i mean like like, it's just like out of nowhere just like oh yeah it's definitely out of nowhere uh, brad pitt is it joe black where he like he's walking in the street that he gets hit by one car and like flies through the air and then gets hit by another car and flies so it's it's not supposed to be funny but it's kind of funny no, it's mostly like I remember being in absolute shock because you just did not see it coming whatsoever. It's definitely not supposed to be <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like... it's just like an example of like this would be devastating in a book because it'd be explained better than just seeing her get hit by a bus on her bike. Is it like mid conversation? Like, is it like. Is it like she's just riding on the street and then she gets hit? Yeah, like okay. it feels like it's the end credits because everything is happy. Like she's going home to be with him. Is like the music is swelling and then it's like, I think bam. more or less, yeah. Loud horn. That's very funny. Dead end Hathaway. I she think. just like drives out of an alley and yeah, just gets smushed. That's pretty funny. It was, I was so angry. I was angry the whole time I was watching it because I was like, this is not a couple who's supposed to be together. Obviously, they have issues. And then the, well, there was no payoff. She just got killed. They didn't They didn't have to end up together, so you should be <sighs> Yeah. It was a frustrating experience. So do not watch this movie. And now you know. Yeah. How uh, about you, Kyle boy? So one of the, one of <laughs> Kyle, the movies I picked out for the worst plot twists um, comes from uh, the king of plot twists, M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. Uh, so this is a movie that, depending on who you talk to, is either one of the worst plot twists of all time or one of the best plot twists of all time. And the movie I'm talking about is The Village. Uh, Mia seems very excited. This is on my best twist this list. All... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. I've seen this movie once uh, in, in high school. Uh, and I, I think it was like in my like high school math class or something it was like towards the end of the semester so we didn't really have much to do and my teacher's like you know what we'll watch this movie so we started watching the village um and it's pretty good like for the most part like it's set in like uh like an old it's like set in like an old like 
Puritan. Yeah, Puritan town, and it's just kind of a an interesting like mystery that might have some supernatural stuff to, uh, like intertwined in it, and it's really interesting. Um, and then, Dave, do you mind if we spoil the the plot twist in the village? Go for it. In like the last act of the movie, it's revealed that this Puritan village exists in the 21st century. It's just like out in the wilderness and like one of them just like walks up to a highway and like it just suddenly in the modern world and it's so jarring and just like so out of nowhere that i just like could not react to it i was like what what just happened like it's just like one of those plot twists that in my opinion doesn't really make sense at all with what the movie is it just kind of was like wouldn't this be cool and just like did it and ruined the entire movie for me and i just like have only so i've only seen the movie that once but that's just because i was so like furious when that plot twist came up i was like what why like who who came like who thought this was a good idea i don't know it didn't work for me Apparently it worked for Mia, because Mia has this in one of her best plot twists. So let's just go ahead, and since we're going to talk about best plot twists next anyway, let's go ahead and jump into that, Mia. Defend this plot twist. (sighs) Okay, well, I have also seen it the one time, and when I saw it, this was years ago, also in high school, and I didn't really know M. Night Shyamalan's, uh, like, style, like, like that is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. So I went into it like being freaked out and I was like, this is terrifying. I didn't really know the actors. Like I was a wee baby boy myself. And so I didn't have really preconceived notions about it. And so when that twist happened, I was like, that was brilliant. I love it. It works. This makes me upset about life and it's a social critique and blah, blah, blah. Um, but again, I was in high school and I have not gone back to it because I think it's kind of one of those movies that you really only see the one time because it's such a gigantic uh, breaking every wall that's been built up. haha, It's in a wall. But yeah, um, I don't know really how much I can defend it just because, yeah, I've only yeah. seen it the one time. <laughs> it just worked for me, I guess. Well. Um, I have never seen a single M. Night Shyamalan movie. Don't. What? I think some of them are pretty good. You haven't seen Split? No. What? I've heard it's, I've heard it's good. Split? I have not seen Split. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Kyle gestures incredulously. Just <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted. Yes. Like, how? Who are my friends? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly my reaction. <laughs> Who are you? I thought I knew you. <laughs> like, I feel like... Split, like, you guys would both love Split. It's, like, it... Hmm. You I know it just takes place in the Glass universe. It does, and you that, don't... Isn't that the twist? Is that it's connected that, that's to That's, like, the, the massive twist yeah. at the very end of the movie. Is like, yeah, it's set connected in the same... Bruce Willis and whatever. Yeah, and Unbreakable, which came out in, like, the 90s, which people had been asking for a sequel for, for, like, since the 90s. <laughs> and then this movie came out, and then at the very end, like, Bruce Willis's character shows up, and everyone's like, oh, my God! And then... Yeah, Glass came out a few years after that and was like an actual sequel to both of those movies. And is bad? It's fine. Yeah. It's not great. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Unbreakable either, but I really like Split. Um, yeah, so. Nice. What were we talking about? Um, I think I was going to go next. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk about, I believe, is the mother of all twists, which is Planet of the Apes, the original 1968? Yeah. 1968. I also have this Apes. on my list, even though I haven't seen the movie. But it's. 
I haven't seen the movie. You haven't but seen like, the original Planet of the Apes. I have not. I need to. <laughs> I think that is a much more like you haven't seen that movie. I think that's a much more like that. I think I'm justified in being upset with you. Uh, I, I agree. Besides the, split I think thing. I think I think you are correct. <laughs> yes. I should have. I should watch it. I know the twist at the end because yeah. it's like an iconic twist. But Mia, do you know the twist? I don't. I also have not seen it. Well, I feel like I can't talk about it now because it is such a like seminal movie twist. Yeah. Do think... they speak? That's not it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did, like that's the premise of the movie is that they're on a planet where apes can speak. So, okay, <laughs> I think we should. I think we should watch Planet of the Apes because both okay. of you haven't seen it, but it is like an all like it is maybe one of the best twists of all time. And having not seen the movie. I agree. Yes. I think just like knowing what it is, like, yeah, that's incredible. I, when I, my dad, my dad loves this movie and because I, it came out when he was like eight. So, and <laughs> so he showed it to me when I was like the same age. Um, and he's like, and he, he like told me that like something like, he's like, there is something in this movie that like, <laughs> it's going to blow your mind. And I was like trying to guess what it was. And then the twist happens. And from what I remember, the movie just like ends like yeah, at this point. It's the last scene in the um, movie. And I like he like has told me like his experience. Like he just said he like looked at me and like watched me watch this moment <laughs> and just saw like my jaw drop and me like just look at him and be like, "What?" <laughs> like this eight year old me just like losing my mind about it. It's great. I think it's like I've not watched that full movie in a very very long time. I think it's just like a good, a very good movie in general, obviously. Um, but yeah, it is an all-time great twist um, that I can't talk about because Mia hasn't seen it. So oh, I, I think you should it. go into it okay. just fresh because okay. it's great. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as for best movie plot twist that I was going to talk about, I want to talk about The Empire Strikes Back, um, with just yeah. like the probably also one of the most iconic. Uh, plot twists in in film history, and that's Darth Vader being Luke's father, like, um, which is just kind of one of those things that at this point, like, it's just common knowledge. Um, but like, just imagining like at the time, like, going off of exclusively the first Star Wars film, and, like that twist, just like, I don't know, it's incredible. It's very well handled. Um, I had a similar experience uh, to, I guess, your dad, um, because um, in high school. Uh, uh, I was I was dating a girl who had never seen a Star Wars film, uh, and so she did not know the plot twist. I don't That's know wild. how she missed how <laughs> she had missed the fact that Darth Vader was Luke's father. But I kind of like so when I, when we were watching the first one because I, I was like, all right, we're gonna watch the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, so we watched the first one, and it was while we were watching that that I started to get the vibe that she didn't know. So I like asked questions, dancing around it without spoiling it, and like deduced that she didn't know uh and so like when we watched empire strikes back i kind of did the same thing where i was just kind of like watching out of the corner of my eye just like see her reaction to finding out that darth vader was luke's father and it was a very satisfying experience uh similarly to i guess you with planet of the apes like her jaw just like dropped and was yeah it's a it's a very good plot twist and uh even though most people know it by now it still i think works very very well definitely yeah um yeah i think just with both of these experiences experiences we describe i think it is like very satisfying to show somebody a movie that like you know that there's a giant twist in Mm -hmm. because you can just like watch them like try to figure it out and like see if they can like pick up on anything before it happens Mm -hmm. and then like when it happens you're like yeah like 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 even though i'm like you know we obviously had nothing to do with like the like 
any of any of these things at all. Yeah. I feel like you feel like some sort of ownership of like this is a cool thing. It's really satisfying just to see someone go through that experience. Definitely. Like, yeah. And I think just in general, like with movies that like we love experiencing them for the first time like through somebody is something that's just very very satisfying yeah yeah i agree um so yeah do we want to go back to worse yeah i don't yeah i don't have like a ton more for worse i can talk about yeah yeah since, since we've all gone one for each we can just kind of have a looser conversation all right cool whatever um i feel like i have one to mention sure. that cool. just came up because Sweet. of watching it a couple weeks ago and that is again it doesn't seem like a twist anymore because i've seen it so many times but captain america the winter soldier yes i don't remember how much i knew about it going into it or how much was even in the trailers i assume that it was pretty, pretty yeah they didn't closely. they didn't spoil it in the trailers okay yeah um yeah. and i really don't remember my initial reaction but i think every single time like i watched that scene i still like get goosebumps and i had the joy also of a couple weeks ago watching it with a friend who unfortunately like has seen infinity war like she saw movies out of order because her family basically made her watch them and now she's going back and watching all of them in order um but she hadn't put two and two together and you know you're you're seeing him like with his heavy eye makeup and his mask on and then yeah that scene and i would just kind of turned and looked at her and i recorded it just because it was like that moment means so much to me and like seeing her reaction was wonderful yeah i i will agree that uh the plot twist in Captain America, the Winter Soldier is fantastic. It's probably one of the best plot twists in the MCU. It's probably like the best plot twist in the MCU. Yeah. Um, and that's one that like I knew going in like what Me it was too. just cause like that's the way it is in the comics. And so like put two and two together if, you, if you're aware of it. Um, but it still just works very well in context of the movie. And for the larger movie going audience that did not know anything about the comics, like it's incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, one, uh worst uh movie plot twist i want to talk about um also comes from a star wars movie and that's the rise of skywalker um so i've talked about the rise of skywalker a lot on this podcast and how much i detest that movie but i think the worst i think most of my problems with the rise of skywalker ultimately come down to the plot twist that ray is a palpatine like it's just it just doesn't make any sense like it's just kind of one it it very much is an idea that somebody had and they're like what if we just do that uh even though it makes no sense with anything we've set up up to this point and so they just kind of were looking for a way to bring palpatine back into the star wars movies and they're like we'll just do this even though nobody's looking for this and nobody wants this and it doesn't make sense um so yeah it's a bad plot twist in a bad movie which makes me really sad as a as a as a intense star wars fan um but yeah the rise of skywalker i guess spoiler alert for the rise of skywalker but if you haven't seen it by now you're not going to so yeah it just sucks man like (laughs) it just it just really is bad um i think we've probably talked about just our issues with the sequel trilogy on this podcast before but it just kind of encapsulates that entire trilogy of just so much potential in like really good characters and really solid performances and like a cast i really really like but just there did not seem to be any sort of vision for that and so that set up that 
J.J. Abrams or whoever decide like made made that decision could just go like, I guess this is happening now. Like this was very clearly not a thing that they yeah. were setting up for like the all of the trilogy. They yeah. just decided for this movie. Sure, she's a Pal- she's a Palpatine, and then at the end she says her name is Skywalker. So that's cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> dumb. Uh, and last week we watched uh, for our movie night. We watched Attack of the Clones, uh, Star Wars episode two, and that movie's also not good. That is a very, very boring movie. Bad movie. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> but I think it's about on par with the Rise of Skywalker, just because the Rise of Skywalker is a little bit more like action packed than, yes. than Attack of the Clones, but it's also more actively bad than Attack of the Clones. I think. Um, so yeah, I don't want to turn this to turn into just Star Wars <laughs> ranting about the Rise of Skywalker. But yeah, the bad plot twist. Uh, who wants to go next? Um, I'd like to talk about the Prestige. Um, I know that is on your list as well, <sighs> yes. Kyle. Um, I think the Prestige is just a damn good movie in general. We talked about it on our Christopher Nolan episode last semester. Um, but yeah, it's just two magicians trying to prank each other in a very violent way. <laughs> so, um. And yeah, spoiler alert for that movie, but the the big twist in that is that uh, Christian Bale's character, um, who is one of the warring magicians with Hugh Jackman, um, it turns out there are two Christian Bales, and um, he he has a twin, and like there's this character who you kind of like see as like the assistant of the Christian Bale magician character throughout the entire movie, Mm -hmm. Um, and he's kind of just like lurking around in the background. There are a few like fleeting shots of his face but he's mostly you don't really see him a lot Mm -hmm. um but it's christian bale and a very silly mustache and wig (laughs) um and i rewatched this movie last semester with um my roommates and my roommate tim had not seen this and i think that twist and like knowing that twist now it seems really really obvious because like the make because it's not the makeup's not supposed to be good because he's like it's like you know the 19th century and um they're just doing it with wax and whatever so like it's not like a very convincing disguise so in watching that movie i was just waiting for tim to just like be like oh it's just christian bent like there's two (laughs) but when you get to the last sequence at the end and he starts like he takes off the he takes off the disguise and they that i think that reveal is executed really well Mm -hmm. he was like holy crap like he did not see that coming at all and i know like the first time i saw it i did not at all like think that was gonna happen yeah i had the exact same experience where like just kind of came out of nowhere and i think what makes the uh, the plot twist and the prestige so great is the fact that it's literally in front of your face the entire movie and you just don't notice yeah and then like when it happens you're like wow that makes sense and like (laughs) it just like all connects like it just brings the whole movie together and yeah i also want to talk about a christopher nolan movie i want to talk about uh memento um so memento is also one of Christopher Nolan's early films. And yeah, uh, the plot twist at the end of Memento is, I think, as good as the plot twist at the end of Prestige. Uh, So Memento, for anyone that doesn't know, um, the whole film is kind of like told backwards because like the the main character has like memory loss. So he's like, it kind of like is the experience of like remembering things. So the whole film, like the story is told like basically in reverse. And as it goes on, you're getting more and more details about what had previously happened. Um, and yeah, uh, without spoiling it, uh, just the end of Memento 
similarly to the prestige just ties it all together incredibly well in an incredibly satisfying manner um yeah it's very very good nice what do you got mia well i don't have i don't know i guess i could make it uh symbolic not symbolic but i could also mention a christopher nolan movie because this appeared on someone's like terrible list mm-hmm. and i got so frustrated that i was like yeah. no slammed my computer shut and came here um but that is the interstellar twist which it's pretty small in the grand scheme of things like yeah. especially after what you two have mentioned um but it's just that matt damon is a bad guy <laughs> and the, the fact that Matt Damon is in that movie at all. He's kind of a twist. Yeah, because yeah. like he wasn't guess, in the marketing yeah. or anything. So like when you're watching that movie, like Matt Damon shows up. And <laughs> Suddenly like, Matt yeah. Damon. Uh, yeah. There's this list on Letterboxd that is just called Suddenly <laughs> Matt Damon. And it's like all the movies that he just suddenly appears in. And it's kind of a lot of movies. I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. But I just, assume one of them is like Saving Private Ryan. Yes, and, and yeah. uh, Thor Ragnarok. Like he, <laughs> yes. just, he just kind of appears in a lot of yeah. things. And you know, hmm. that's pretty good. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. I just think that's a great twist when they're like out trekking on his planet and things just have an ominous vibe and then it's like wait he's trying to kill matthew mcconaughey what's going on here and then it's kind of a prolonged twist as well like when he's like trying to get the airlock situated right and then everything explodes and everything goes poorly from then on but yeah that's i i don't remember being shocked really the first time it happened i remember like jumping in my seat when the like airlock explodes um but i think that is executed so well like basically refuting everything that that person said in their terribly written article like do you have a brain like they're like the dialogue is terrible and it's like it's so ominous. I think it's executed so, so well. Like, his dialogue in that section, like, he's going crazy because he's been on this planet for however long by himself. So, yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorites. I think Christopher Nolan is the king of of twists. Yeah. Um, do we want to do some, like, rapid fire? Let's do it. Cool. Uh, you want to start? Sure. Yeah, so, like I said, I don't have, like, a ton of worst. The only other two, like, worst twists I had was um, the movie Tag, which is a very fun comedy from 2018. Um, I guess I'm just going to spoil this. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you know the premise of the movie Tag? So where they play Tag? It's, yeah. Yes. It's adult <laughs> Tag, and they're like cross-country. I feel yes. like I watched it over someone's shoulder, yeah. like on a flight. It's like a very fun movie, Yeah, honestly. it's a good time. But at the end, um, Ed Helms' character just has cancer at the end and like he just like it's like very close to the end of the movie and he just collapses and then there's a scene in the hospital and they're like you have cancer and then that's just it like it just feels very out of nowhere based on a true story though it is yes okay um and it all ends up fine but like we don't see that in the movie it just it's very odd um and i think it's just (laughs) kind of like is a weird cap on that pretty good movie um weird also shutter island which i think i talked about a little bit yeah um, i have not seen shutter island yes. so i will so. not i will not spoil it because i think it's something that you should go into fresh i basically knew the twist going in i think that just i had the internet had spoiled it for me um i didn't like exactly know but i knew that there was a twist and i had a pretty good idea of what it was um and knowing that i thought it was kind of bad um, I just don't think it's, I don't think like the twist itself is necessarily terrible. I just don't think it's very like well-earned 
in the movie. Um, so yeah, I think that's something you should both see and let me know what you think about it. But yeah, a few best twists. Uh, Parasite, people in the basement, pretty yep. good. Yep. Um, us. Uh, I think Us is a best and worst twist. I think at the time when I saw that and having it be there are tunnels across all of america and there are people who are exactly like you in these tunnels i thought was kind of dumb i think i've come around on that and i i appreciate like the artistry of what that of the setup of that twist but yeah um i think that still is a still pretty good twist uh searching with the the uh, police officer is actually yeah. the one who did it yeah. um that's pretty good have you seen searching Searching is really good. <laughs> Sorry, Mia. Is that who's that? Were we talking about that last week or May? something when I, I drove you home? Week. Or two I, I weeks? That's like, oh, it was you I was driving with. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good movie. Yeah. Sorry, Mia. Hmm. Just block that out of your head. Yeah. Amnesia. <laughs> um, Arrival. I kind of don't remember the twist of that movie. I just know that like it's the past or the future. Yes. Someone's yes. daughter <laughs> has died. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's all the, the. Actually, also now you see me. I won't say what it is because both of you haven't seen that movie. I think I, in looking up worst twists, it was on every worst twist list I yeah. saw. I think it's a very good twist, and it's a very dumb movie. And I think it's a dumb twist that is perfect for this dumb movie. So, hmm. uh, going through mine for best, uh, I, want, I also had Planet of the Apes. I also want to throw out there Ready or Not. Um, horror film from a few years ago uh, with... I think I like vaguely know that twist, but don't Some fully say weaving? it. Yeah, Samara yeah. Weaving's in it. And just like That's good. that twist comes at like the very end of the movie. And it's just so shocking and hilarious, but I think it works. Um, Psycho, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. uh, I think that's an iconic twist that I somehow had never heard prior to watching Psycho for the first time. So I got to like experience that. That's crazy. Like, hmm. yeah, Whoa. I was. It was like I was like a sophomore in high school, nice. so I wasn't like super well versed on Hitchcock at the time. <laughs> um, also, American Psycho uh, with uh, Christian Bale. Uh, I have the, not seen that movie. It's very good. Um, it's got a pretty good twist at the end. Uh, for worst, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. It's a really good movie, and the twist at the end is that it's a Cloverfield movie, and that just derails the whole thing. Um, <laughs> the Incredibles 2, uh, the twist is that the villain named Evelyn Dever is the villain, oh, yeah. and her name is literally Evil Endeavor. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I really like Incredibles 2, but I just thought that was a little yes. like, yeah. Um, the twist at the end of Lost... Um, I don't know if oh, either yeah. of you have watched Lost. I am vaguely aware of that twist too. Yeah, that people it's a just twist. Don't like it. Yeah, it's a twist that everybody saw coming, and the creators were like, "That's not going to be the end of the show," and that's what the end of the show was. And it's kind of really dumb. Uh, also, the the they I don't know if I would consider this a twist, but the like sudden like turns at the very end of Game of Thrones, um, I think are kind of really dumb and not set up at all. Um, so if you want to call that a twist, then it's one of the worst twists. Um, <laughs> the twist is that the show becomes bad all of a sudden. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's uh, good. Yeah, I like that. that. That's pretty good. In fact, that was maybe their plan all along. Maybe. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I've got. Do you have anything else, Mia? You know, I really don't. I struggled a lot with this, but I came up with like three movies. Good job. <laughs> well, then four, because I thought of Winter Soldier. Um best just because you were talking about his other film get out yeah yeah yep i think yeah. that i don't think i went into it knowing anything 
I think Strangely. I just like knew that something was wrong. Like, like someone's I, racist. Yes. I can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> the twist in Get Out is that someone here is someone, racist, and maybe it's everyone, someone, and then it is everyone. Doesn't it, add up. It here. turns out they are racist, but not in the way you think. <gasps> you know what? Oh my gosh, have you guys seen Atlanta? No. No. Okay, there's one episode in that that has an insane twist, and it's terrifying it has a very much so a jordan peele vibe to it um yeah it's very scary i don't want to talk about it yeah uh we talked about this a little bit prior to recording the podcast but there's some pretty good twists in the first few seasons of house of cards um like one of the major characters from the first season gets killed off in that very first episode of the second season um and just generally whenever a character gets killed off in that show it's pretty good yeah all right, so this has been episode 46 of Cinebraskans, oh. the Daily Nebraskan Entertainment Podcast. As always, I've been your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host, David Berman, as well as Mia Everding. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. See ya. See ya. See ya.